You know what's worse than failing? It's not even trying. What's the point of being here if you don't give things a shot? That's what we're all about on this podcast, but we're here to minimize failures, which is why we've partnered with Yotpo for this series. Yotpo has helped thousands of e-commerce businesses of all sizes to grow. Or put another way, they've helped thousands of cool D2C brands not fail. You know the former footballer turned founder Hal Robson Carnu? His company, The Turmeric Co., saw a 600% revenue increase after just two years with Yotpo's reviews and loyalty features. Well, that could be because of loads of things I hear you say, but the proof's in the conversion pudding, and Wolfson Brands increased their ROI on their order flows by 49 times by adding Yotpo's SMS bump. Wild. Plus, your customers can now buy things by replying to texts you send through Yotpo. They don't even need to be on your website. Less friction means better conversion. So, if you're in e-commerce and want to reduce your chances of failure, then check out yotpo.com secret. That's Y-O-T-P-O dot secret. The company we're talking about was a women's wear clothing brand that I started when I was 21 because, of course, every 21-year-old girl wants to have their own clothing brand. Um, And I just had enough arrogance and hubris to think that I could do it. We had a website. We also were stocked in 15 boutiques. You know, we were just about to sign a big deal with ASOS and it was all going very, very well, particularly in year one. I just thought I'd made it. And as every 21-year-old thinks, you know, they know everything. Um, That was kind of the beginning of the end for me. That's Amelia Sordell, who launched a fashion brand and was on the path to success until she wasn't. From Secret Leaders, I'm Dan Murray-Serta, and this is our bite-sized series dedicated to failure. We're doing this because we learn a lot more from failure than success, but we hardly ever hear about it. We're changing that with the help of entrepreneurs like Amelia sharing their worst moments. Amelia today runs a booming personal branding agency called Clout. But back in 2015, she founded Eitherside, a fashion brand for women who wanted to dress up for a night out but couldn't afford Gucci. She bootstrapped it for the first eight months, raised some investment, was putting out four collections a year and seemed to be flying. So when did it all go wrong? I think they started going wrong from the minute I launched, if I'm honest. I think hindsight is a beautiful thing. Um, You can look back and find lessons in things. And, And by the way... I am a firm believer that if that business hadn't failed, my current business cloud wouldn't have succeeded, like, period. But it all started to go wrong, and I can kind of pinpoint it to a couple of different moments, but the biggest one was I obviously was very excited to have all these orders and all these people wanting to buy our products. And as, you know, 21, 22-year-old, of course you don't vet your clients. You you just think, oh, someone's wanting to buy, you know, £60,000 worth of stock from me. That's bloody brilliant like that's more than all these other orders combined like let's do it we had a, a, a massive order come in from quite a large online retail store I wouldn't say there were a high street brand name or anything like that but there were there were a big company you know they, they probably shifted a couple of hundred grand worth of stock every every week um so they were a relatively decent sized business and as we always do we showed them the collection they loved it you know our, our, our customers will love this like price points great you know here's an order for sixty thousand pounds worth of stuff um which included things like leather like real leather jackets fur coats you know leather skirts leather suits like quite high-end items um, which cost a lot to manufacture and also to buy and between the sort of six to eight week period between them making that order and us delivering that order they ceased to exist so 
we'd had the 30% up front, which was enough, I guess, to pay in part for the manufacturing of the product, which is how our business model worked. But then we were stuck with £60,000 worth of stuff, which in retail is like 100 grand, 120 grand worth of stock, which was my cash flow, that we just simply couldn't shift because we didn't get enough traffic to the website to shift that kind of product. I didn't have really anyone that was already in my client book where I could say, do you want to buy some products? Because they'd already bought enough for their stores for that season. And so I was faced with this really difficult decision, which was, do I go and get bailed out with a loan, which I was told I'd have to personally guarantee so that I could keep the business afloat and and move forward and, and all the things? Or it was a limited liability company, just liquidate everything and shut the business down. And I suppose when I'm talking about this now, when I look back at the the obvious option for me would have been like, whatever it takes. Like, if we need to get a loan, no problem. I believe in this business, I'm going to do it. But I think there were a number of reasons why I didn't take that option. I think the first one was I didn't actually believe in the business. I just wanted to work for myself. And the second part of that was around the same time I'd set up with my then partner, you know, lost my house, had to move back in with my parents. And then consequently, this happens with the business. So I lose my car just to keep myself afloat because I can't afford to pay my salary anymore. And I remember calling my mom and just thinking and, and, and speaking to her about it and just saying, like, I don't know what to do. And she said, do you want to do this for the rest of your life? And I said, no. And she said, well, that's your answer then. So shut the business down, liquidated everything, sold all the stock on eBay, overstock, etc. It was a sad day because our existing customer base and existing client base, like the B2B side and the B2C side were really loyal. You know, we had a really high return customer rate but even if I'd gone and got the loan just based on my outlook of that business and my lack of passion for it it would never would have succeeded regardless of whether it had been profitable Uh, it would have got to a point where I was like I can't be asked to do this anymore because it really didn't feel like my purpose so yeah shut the business down sold everything got rid of all the stock shut you know the website down etc moved back in with my parents with 26p in my account and said hey can you lend me 500 quid and uh, wallowed in self-pity for the next three months before I kind of slapped myself around the face and said, you need to go back out and get a job because no one's going to come and save you. (laughs) Wow. Amelia can laugh about it now, but it was a bruising experience. And that three months became a blur. To be honest, I don't remember a lot, Um, mainly because I was numbing the pain of my entire identity being ripped away from me with alcohol, cigarettes and late nights. Like it... It really felt like a like like a death is like the best way I can describe it. Like my entire, and I'm sure anyone listening to this who's 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 gone through you know anything similar can relate. Because when you, when you're running a business, it's it's not just a nine to five. And anyone that tells you that you can run a business nine to five is fucking delusional, or is run, trying to run a lifestyle business, which is an entirely different concept. If you're trying to scale something and make something meaningful to the world. It's not a nine to five. And so inevitably your identity does get wrapped up in that business, right? Like even now I am Amelia Sordell, founder of Clout. Like I'm trying very hard to separate the two so that at some point my business has equity without me being attached to it, which is ultimately the dream for everyone, right? But ultimately it's part of who I am and it's part of how people label me as the founder of that business. And so to have that ripped away so suddenly, and I'm not joking, it was literally a matter of weeks. Like it, it wasn't over a period of months. It wasn't a year. It was within 10 days. My confidence was just shot. 
I felt like mourning period is probably the only way I can describe it, where I was just a shell of myself. I'm a very bubbly, generally personable person. Didn't want to talk to anyone, didn't want to see anyone. Um, you know, my friends did their best to cheer me up, didn't particularly work. And actually I was, I felt like a real victim. Like I felt like I'd been really hard done by and like the world had done me a dirty. I really, really took a long time to recover from the failure of that business. And I'm not joking. It's only taken me, what, nearly 10 years to go again. And it's not because I've not wanted to. Every single month I go, right, what can I do? What can I do? Because as I said, I'm an unemployable. So I've always had it in the back of my head of like, what should I do next? Should I do baby clothing brand? Could I import these things? There's always been little, the little side hustles I've had going on, which have all been fruitful, um, but nothing that I've been that interested in. So it's taken me 10 years really to grow a pair of balls big enough to, to really go, right, we're going to do this now, Amelia. Like, you know, you've had enough time to wallow in your self-pity, if you like, and, and recover from that wound but yeah, confidence just killed me um, to the point where, I, you know, I was worried about asking for promotions, even though I 100% deserved them. Um, worried about asking for pay rises, even though I 100% deserved them. I used to take jobs that were beneath me. And I mean that not in the sense of I'm this fantastic person, but beneath me in the terms of salary, pay grade, um, intelligence, experience, because I was so worried about being rejected from potentially a role that, you know, was maybe a bit challenging. Maybe I fucked that up. It was, it was almost like a fear of failure. So I just didn't take any risks as <laughs> to like what would fail. I was like, be very safe. Even if it means you're getting paid 15 grand less than you should be and you'll be fine. So yeah, it had a 10 years impact, basically. Our failures live with us forever, for better or worse. But Amelia has some good advice for someone going through a tough time. First of all, feel it. Like trying to pretend that it didn't happen or trying to... Um, I guess, mute your feelings about it is a completely fruitless exercise because it will come out in another way at some point. You know, acknowledging that you're fucking pissed off or you're upset or you feel hard done by is like an important part of the grieving process, right? Like whether whether it's the death of a business or the death of a career or death of a job, whatever it might be. The second thing would be like try and go and do some stuff that scares you like immediately. Don't do what I did and wait 10 years. I really do feel like I've, I have no regrets, none. But I do really feel like I've missed some opportunities just purely because I didn't have the confidence to. And actually, my confidence levels now are higher than they've ever been simply because I've done a lot of stuff that scares me. And actually, some of it I've not done well in and some of it I've smashed. But like, you would never have known if you hadn't tried. One of the great ways I built up my confidence for something entirely different, which was posting on online, but, you know, the theory works the same way, is I used to go and ask for a discount in like every store I was in just because I knew they'd probably say no. And it was almost like that that exposure to like, no, helped me be like, no, I can fucking do this. Like, I, It sounds like really counterproductive, but exposing yourself to no, and it kind of goes back to what I was saying about doing scary things, is really powerful. Um, and something that a lot of people don't like doing because it makes them feel uncomfortable or nervous or whatever. But like, if you think about it practically, what's the fucking worst that's going to happen? Someone's going to say to no, no to you, boo-hoo, happens all day, happens all the time. And the final, I guess, piece of advice is probably not very practical, but just fucking do it. Like, you are a long time dead. A long time dead. And if you're blessed enough to have, on average, 80 to 90 years on this planet to make as big of an impact as you possibly can, why on earth would you want to waste a decade like I did moping around being sad about something that didn't work out? Just fucking do it. 
if it's good enough for Amelia and it's good enough for Nike, then maybe we should all just do it. After all, the biggest risk is not trying at all. If you have a failure story you'd like to share, then we'd love to hear it. Please email us on hello at secretleaders.com with a few bullets explaining what happened. You've been listening to our Bite Size series on failure and I've been your host, Dan Murray-Serta. If you want to hear more stories of failure, setbacks and how they impact success, then give us a follow on your podcast app and share the episode with someone who needs to hear it. See you next time. Here at Mindset Win, we want to give you the tools to become better at what you do. Taking inspiration and wisdom from our guests, we will hear stories, strategies, tips and tricks. Told by leading names in sport and beyond. Who know what it takes to get to the very top. There will be two episodes each week packed with amazing stories and practical takeaways for us all to follow. Search for Mindset Win on YouTube and on your favorite podcast app.